This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. What's the focus on BFM 89.9, The Business Station? You are listening to WTF on the Morning Run, the show where we give you the TLDR of the week's biggest stories, ICMYI, so you don't have to FOMO that you've snoozed on the news. TGIF, everyone. I'm Shazana Mokhtar with Wong Xiaoning and Chong Jensen. Just too many abbreviations. I still, I know you told us what they mean last Friday, but I just cannot remember I'm them. Still lost. Yeah, I know the FOMO one, and then the TGIF, and then the rest are all missing. The only one you really need to remember is WTF every Friday. What's the focus here on the morning run? Yeah. So what we do, of course, is to bring you all the top conversations and stories that you might have missed this week before you head into the weekend. So I think we should start with. Business, our favourite, right? Indeed. So first off is this story from the International Monetary Fund because they said on Tuesday, by the way, they're still in Washington. And from what I gather on Bloomberg, they're holed up at the St. Regis. Oh, poor things, right? But anyway, they have said that world economy is headed into stormy waters as it has downgraded the global growth projections for next year and warned of a harsh worldwide recession if policymakers mishandled the flight against inflation. COVID really started in 2020, right? But with each passing year, it appears to be getting a bit worse for the world economy. In 2021, we saw some businesses reopening, but moratoriums expired, strain on cash flows. The Fed was still doing QE. It was behind the curve. This year, we have the Russian-Ukraine war. Inflation is soaring. We have Credit Suisse. We have the China's property wait, crisis. Wait, wait, Let me play the violin. <laughs> UK I mean, may be on the like... brink of collapse. The US dollar strength is wrecking havoc. So when we move into 2023, what, what's in store for us? Is it going to be a full-blown recession? Something's got to give, right? It's such, uh, it's such the opposite theme from recovery that we've been trying to cultivate since the pandemic, right? We were hoping, oh, 2021 is going to be recovery. Okay, maybe not yet. 2022 then. And then the Ukraine war hit. And now 2023, there's like, no, there's not going to be recovery in 2023. It's probably going to be a recession. You know what that means? That 2023 will be the year of the recovery because every year they get it wrong, right? Every year they get it wrong. I want to go back to 2019. (laughs) So maybe this is the year when they do get it wrong and then the world benefits because, hey, there will truly be recovery because expectations Expectations are so low, right? And all these numbers, of course, they are a function of what's happening on the ground. But maybe then policymakers adjust, right? If they think that recession is going to be very bad, then they'll adjust their monetary policy. Governments will then adjust their fiscal policies. So I'm trying to be less of a Debbie Downer here, but... I do think, yes, they are hit wins a hit. And I think it's important to remember also just the lag effect, right? Monetary policy acts today, but we're only going to see the effect of it down the line. And that's what's causing a lot of anxiety and havoc as well. Um, and that's why we still see inflation going up, even though the uh, US Fed has tightened at record pace. Mm. Um, but we're not seeing inflation come down as much as we think it should, given the uh, proportion of tightening. Yes, um, and to build on that, Shazana, the stock market is really not the economy, right? So we Who may says? be, I don't <laughs> okay. know, the, the pundits say. <laughs> yeah, there is a difference between Main Street and Wall Street. You yeah. are right. Yeah, so we may be closer to a bottom and an, maybe an eventual rally than we think. 
Well, that's what some analysts say. But I, I do want to highlight a few things, you know. So one of which is the Fed, okay? The 2022 is all about the Fed. The, you know, the market focused on them in terms of where to go, uh, whether, it, you know, whether the Nasdaq was going up today or coming down today. Everybody just watched every signal uh, coming out from the Federal Reserve. And then they looked at all the key indicators that the Federal Reserve also looked at. But there's one thing I learned this year in that, you know, when it comes to determining the right monetary policy, like you say, Shas, there is a lag effect. So I wonder when it comes to hiking, and you get the sense that the terminal rate that the Fed wants is about 4.5%, and some people say maybe even 5 because core CPI came out on the US today, 40-year high, 6.6%. So perhaps the Fed needs to tighten even more, more aggressively, right? But I wonder whether... Because of that lag effect, whether we are going to see, you know, and we're already seeing that a slowdown in terms of used car sales, new car sales, home purchases, all that have come down, right? And even if we look at the results of a lot of the retail stocks like Levi's, Gap, they're also showing signs of stress in terms of inventory. So people have adjusted their spending patterns, their spending habits. So I wonder whether the Fed is also late when it comes to, you know, reducing the pace and quantum of their hikes. Another, I guess, another um, is it contradiction, maybe a dichotomy of things is that you, as you said, CPI has gone up to six point six percent, but consumers are on the ground. Um, are feeling it as well. They think that the economy is already in recession. The economy is not in recession, though. The U.S. economy is still growing. You know, jobs growth is still there. Um, but they are feeling that it's a recession. And this is going to play out in the November midterm elections as well, which goes to, I mean, I'm curious to see how that will affect Joe Biden's administration and whether the Democrats can actually hold their seats in Congress. Yeah, uh, but bringing home this conversation, right, is the IMF has also raised its gross domestic product for Malaysia in 2022 to 5.4% from 5.1%, which is still lower than our official forecast of 65 to 7%. But jang, 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 not so good for 2023, right, Shaz? Yeah, I was actually quite surprised of the difference in terms of how the IMF sees our growth this year versus how we see it. And I think other analysts have also been closer to the 6.57% growth that the government sees. Uh, but yes, next year, the IMF projects that uh, we would grow at 4.4%. Um, and that's even lower than their forecast of 4.7% in July. Uh, I, I can't recall how much the government is projecting GDP for next year, though. No, neither can I have a blank moment there. But you know what? Does this Is this why the government, well, not the government, let's say five gentlemen in a particular political party want elections to happen this year rather than next year? Is it because there's an economic slowdown? Before the slowdown actually properly hits, right? Yeah. We are seeing prices go up now, um, but will just the indicators be a lot worse next year? Hence the rush to call for elections this year, among other reasons that are being bandied about. Um, all right, it's 9.43 in the morning. Uh, we do have some uh, fun news, I think. I wonder if any of you saw the uh, video clip of... Um, UK Prime Minister Liz Truss uh, paying a courtesy call on King Charles, or not a courtesy call, I think it was part of their weekly get-togethers. Um, it was quite a comical uh, a comical clip in a way, uh, just to see these two new people in their positions um, greet each other. Um, yeah, it was So let's interesting. give some context to this, right? And this is an article from the guardian so she has to this do this weekly thing um and she curtsied and said your majesty and then king charles replied so you've come back again while trust replied it's a great pleasure and he could only mutter dear oh dear anyway <laughs> 
ouch. Uh, in- I have no words, right? And of course, everything's on social media. So, um, well, Dr. Je- Jennifer Cassidy, actually, uh, she's a lecturer in diplomacy at Oxford University, really sums this up really well. It's like a scene straight out from the office. <laughs> One of my favourite shows. <laughs> Awkwardness at its best. Life imitates art. Um, But yes, a lot of attention on the UK as well. Given uh, the state of the economy, we did have an interesting conversation earlier this morning with Douglas Williams of CEBR. He gave some rather um, against-the-grain comments. He has some against-the-grain views about uh, the UK's fiscal position, which I thought were really interesting and is worth seeing whether that will play out. Yeah, because he said that actually the hole created by the tax cut season is going to be as bad as everyone imagined. For example, if you look at VAT... Um, because they're going to reinstate it and allow tourists to reclaim that. Uh, what's going to happen is that there will be more tourist arrivals in the UK. But very quickly, I want to talk about Singapore. As we know, that the Monetary Authority of Singapore has just widened its currency ban. They use it as a tool against inflation. But I want to talk about rents for private apartments there. They have soared nearly 31% by September, compared to a year ago, jumping for 21 consecutive months. And I have seen increasing reports and articles saying that Singapore is the new Hong Kong, right? You see hedge funds moving there. Uh, I think that's because Hong Kong, until very recently, had a very, very tight COVID policy. I remember reading the article earlier this year, so not so recent. And and it came at a point of time where there were a lot of foreigners moving from Hong Kong and other parts of the world to Singapore. And an expatriate was forced to move out of his rented good class, good class bungalow where he was paying, I think, something like Twenty to 25,000 sing a month mm-hmm. because the owner wanted three times more. Wow. Three times? Something oh. like that. Yeah. I don't have the exact numbers, but it was something so ridiculous like that. 75,000 Singapore yeah. dollars for, for a, a good bang- class bungalow. <laughs> I think for 75000 you can get anything good class, right? It doesn't even have to be a bungalow. But closer to home, let's have a remind everybody what the property situation is like in Malaysia because Reda, um, they are going to see a 26% decline in unit launches and a 5% drop in sales. We've already seen that, excuse me, in the first half of this year versus the second half of last year. Um, so I think what we are still seeing in Malaysia is a bit of a slowdown. Supply demand is not great and I think there is still a lot of uncertainty so especially, you know, the higher end units, what's popular still remains, of course, is the terrace residential homes and all those new time, first time home buyers. Now, if interest rates go up, economy slows down, what does that mean for the property market, Jensen? It's not good. Ding, property ding, market ding. goes down. <laughs> More stress to the system. And the violin continues playing. It is 9.47 in the morning. We're heading into some messages, but we'll be back with a look at the other side of the coin in in terms of what makes the world go round, and that's politics. Stay tuned, BFM 89.9. 9.48 in the morning. You are listening to WTF, or What's the Focus? Uh, It's our weekly show where we round up the top stories of the week and other tidbits that you might have missed. So this half, we're recapping the political headlines that have held our attention this week, and boy, oh boy... (laughs) I mean, this was the week for politics. Well, it was the worst kept secret, right? When general elections would be... Well, when parliament was going to be dissolved. Uh, Speculated back and forth. It was going to be before budget, after budget. And then it really happened on the Monday at 3pm. And of course... On a public holiday. Spoiling some people's naps, apparently. Not mine. (laughs) I I was already awake. But some people were like, what could he announce? I said, what else? And it really came to fruition. So parliament has been dissolved. Um, Now we really see political parties, you know, forming their own respective coalitions. But some, I think some dates we want to bear in mind, one of which is 
We don't know at this juncture when polling will happen, but we do know that the Election Commission will decide uh, probably on October 20th when they do meet, and I'm sure after that, very soon after, they will have uh, their, their briefing. Indeed. So 20th October is the next important date to keep watch on. That's when we'll find out when the nomination day is probably and also when elections are. Um, Don't forget that um, I think the minimum campaign period is 11 days. Is it 10 days or 11 days? I'm confused. Something that we should re-listen to our discussion with Thomas Fan, the chairperson of Bursay earlier this week, when we asked him what are the things that we should expect in the run-up to GE15 and also the fact that um, what the election commission, what their roles are in preparing for the conduct of elections. I think the young Diputuan Agong has said that he hopes the date will be before mid-November and that's when the monsoon is expected to begin. So it leaves us with just November 5th or November 12th. I know Sim is hoping it's not the 5th. I'm hoping it's not the 19th because it's my <laughs> okay. dad's Sim by the, birthday. Sim, by the way, is our producer. He he doesn't want that because it's someone special's birthday and you don't want the 19th because it's your dad's birthday, right? Yes, it's his 80th birthday. <laughs> so maybe you need to submit all those dates to the election commission and just you know remind them, hey, try to avoid these dates because it's all these people's birthdays. Any other day is fine, thanks. Yeah. I've also <laughs> heard from friends uh, who actually have a wedding planned on the 19th and they're praying so hard that it doesn't happen because they're really worried that they won't have people attending their luncheon because oh everyone will be going out to vote and they can't even tell uh, the caterers like how many people are going to come and not going to come because we all like us all living our lives in somewhat of a limbo all this uncertainty is just more argument um, for a fixed term parliament I mean when you think about the US for example they have a fixed date in November every two years when their elections will be held there's no Anxiety. Well, they have the midterm elections as well, right? So there's no anxiety over when the elections are going to be. People know they can factor it into their long-term plans. I do think it makes planning a whole lot easier. This is something that I would be interested to see if any party has this in their manifesto. And we've had this conversation with Wong Chin Huat, right, regarding the fixed-term parliament and the benefits of it. But whether the politicians will listen, because we do know whatever anyone says, those who decide when elections can be called in itself it, there is some political power to that absolutely it's like why the UN Security Council will never see the five uh, permanent members give up their veto it's just uh, too it's too good a perk to let go of yeah uh, so other nuggets that have come out in the last week um Apparently, someone has been barred from campaigning in GE15, and that is our ex-prime minister, well, former prime minister, who is currently serving time in, uh, is it Kajang or Sungai Bulu? Kajang prison, right? For SRC trial. Uh, So there were questions about whether he would actually be going campaigning, but the prison's department has said, no, he can't. And this is according to the law. So I was surprised that even in the first place, anybody needed to ask. Don't forget that he has submitted a judicial review at, to the courts. Um, I, I suppose uh, was that he's objecting to the ruling that he can't attend parliament or visit his constituency because technically before dissolution, he was uh, he was still holding the seat of Pekan MP. Um, now the fact that uh, he's being he's asking if he can campaign to me, it feels like, look, there's a re- you're in you're in prison, right? You're in prison for a reason, right? There are no <laughs> there shouldn't there be are that no many exemptions. exemptions, or if they are, they should be very few, right? Uh, in the meantime, uh, Malaysian Insight also d- has reported that in well, his name was included in the list of potential candidates for the Pekan Parliamentary Constituency for the upcoming general elections. Well, he is the pipe piper of Pekan, isn't he? Uh, like it or not, Bosco does have his following, doesn't he? 
You yeah. just wanted to say the alliteration, didn't you, Jensen? Did. Pied Piper of Bukhan. I love it. <laughs> I do love it. But uh, it, it does boggle the mind um, that some people don't seem to understand what a conviction means and what punishment is. I'm also curious how the process works. Because I, I was told yesterday that when you are convicted, the first thing they take away from you is your IC. Now, can you correct me if I'm wrong? Assuming, I mean, okay, firstly, you need to be let out. Then you need to go to the constituency, right? And then you register your name with the nomination officials. Don't you need to bring your IC? Do you have an IC with you? All and these, then in the first place, you're convicted. Shouldn't that already disqualify you automatically? How does this work? All, you know, I hope we never find out. I do hope that. Uh, I, I do think that there needs to be some barriers in terms of what... Um, you know, who is entitled to run in this sense. Uh, other headlines that are making waves, though, I think is um, decisions on what kind of uh, coalitions or political pacts are being made. Uh, we do know that Muda and Pakatan Harapan are in an electoral pact for GE15, so that has been decided. Uh, but how that electoral pact will take shape is still being discussed. Mm. Do they? Does Muda get the 15 seats that they want? Uh, will PK, uh, PKR youth be so willing to accept them in the fold? And you just had that conversation, right, this this morning. That's right. So when I spoke to Adam Adli, a PKR youth chief this morning, he really went into detail about how um, there is a trust deficit um, within the party. And a lot of people just have questions about the loyalties of new groups coming in, um, given that when they admitted Bersatu all those years ago, um, look what happened, the Sheraton mm. move happened. So there is that sort of traumatic um, experience that still lingers. So that's something that uh, PKR and Pakatan Harpa need to deal with if they really want to make a success of any coalition so moving forward. So if you missed that conversation, you can catch that Breakfast Grill again on our BFM app or on our website. I think that will come out later uh, mid-morning. We will post it. It doesn't seem like a very committed pack, does it? I mean, if you like it, put a ring on it, right? <laughs> I hear Beyonce in the background. Put a ring on it, put a ring on it. Well, I don't know, you know. Today, coalition politics is extremely fluid. One minute, you're BFFs for life and one minute, you're not, right? So, uh, I think what will be interesting is, okay, we know roughly the coalition partners as we head into GE15. Now, what happens when it's a hung parliament, right? Are those coalitions going to be maintained or the ring because you never put one on it doesn't matter you just like you can move on the diamond's not big enough I think <laughs> diamond's Trade never it. big enough Jensen never trade it in for the bigger diamond right who can offer the next big one um, but yes lots of things to watch also the fact that PAS is siding with Brigata National um, not with Barisa National and I, I agree with you Xiaoning I would like to see what happens um, post uh, GE15 if there is a hung parliament. Okay, and very quickly, in terms of s candidates, we don't know the candidate list. None of the parties have come up with theirs for public viewing, although I think Amno Youth has said they've submitted theirs uh, to Amno Party. But we, we are seeing noises coming out of the Klang seat because the, uh, constituents have noticed there, and this is an article in the Vibes, that Sri Kembangan Assemblyman and former State Executive Councillor Yen Yong Hien Wa was canvassing the constituency with the intention of presenting himself as a replacement for Charles Santiago. So what's happening there too in Klang? I mean, I think there's a lot of rumblings there in terms of who is going to run. Uh, I think uh, Rafizi Ramli has said that PKR, or whether it's PKR or Pakatan Harapan, they will have their candidate list next week on October 19th, just before uh, the date of uh, just before the election commission convenes. Mm. So lots of things to watch. Um, I think next week will be just as jam-packed and exciting as it has been this week. And you can follow all the news every day that we are on on BFM. And even on the morning run, we'll be continuing lots of political coverage, especially either 8.30 or 8.45 so of course keep tuned
to our station. You have been listening to WTF What's the Focus on the Morning Run. We have the 10 a.m. news bulletin coming up next. After that, it's over to Enterprise 957 in the morning. Stay tuned to BFM 89.9. What's the Focus on BFM 89.9, the business station. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.